Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Dave Portnoy, El Presidente, is a fraud. He has no core values, no defined set of beliefs. He has no redeeming qualities other than his wealth. Remove his money and he wouldn't have a friend in this world. If we weren't living in an era completely hostile to masculinity, Portnoy would be broken Boston delivering pizza. The prohibition of masculinity is what made heroes and millionaires of men like Portnoy and TikTok influencer Andrew Tate. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Tuesday uh, to you and yours. Uh, thanks for joining me. We have an awesome, fantastic show uh, for you today. Alex Stein, primetime 99, always on the grind. It's going to be in the, his house. Uh, Shamika Michelle will be here. Steve Kim will be here. Professor D. Delano Squires will be here. Uh, we're going to start where we always like to start this show with a fire, with a fire that's going to lead into primetime 99 on the grind, Alex Stein shining on this show here in a second. Uh, but let me get through this fire. Let me start this blaze and then we're going to bring primetime 99 always on the grind. We're going to let him shine right on time on this show. Can't wait. All right, so let me start this fire. Uh, Dave Portnoy and Andrew Tate are the Al Capone and Lucky Luciano of masculinity prohibition. Portnoy and Tate bootleg moonshine masculinity across the internet. Their wealth and fame are byproducts of America's misguided masculinity temperance movement. We're living in the third wave of masculinity prohibition. Each wave popularizes and enriches a new breed of masculinity bootleggers. Portnoy, the founder of Barstool Sports, and Tate, a kickboxing champion turned TikTok influencer, are the latest undeserving benefactors of an unholy mission Democrats and feminists devised 60 years ago to demonize manhood. Portnoy built a sports media empire pretending to be a fearless ESPN disruptor standing against the wokeification of sports and American culture. It's now clear he's a total fraud and sellout. His lone interest are money and access to barely legal young women. He sold Barstool to a gambling company for hundreds of millions of dollars, and now Barstool is every bit as woke as ESPN. Monday night, Portnoy engaged in a Twitter beef with comedian Alex Stein, a truly fearless internet disruptor. Stein, a contributor for The Blaze, mocks local and national politicians of all political parties with viral videos. 
Barstool's Twitter feed posted a hilarious video of Stein trolling members of the Las Vegas City Council. Let's take a look. Wait, excuse me. You said your name was Alex Stein? Yes. Okay, thank you. What I'm saying is these casinos give people free drinks, and then they become vulnerable, and then end up gambling more money than they have. Yeah. And I was a victim of that, and I lost a lot of money. And I'm facing a lot of issues right now. My wife's boyfriend recently got her pregnant, and I'm here for a church event um, speaking. for I'm a member of the Church of Scientology, and I don't normally drink. But I'm very vulnerable. I'm in a position now where I don't know what I'm going to do because financially I'm going to have to take care of this baby potentially because he's out on parole right now and he has an upcoming case where he could be facing a long time in jail. So potentially I'm going to have to financially support this baby and I come to Las Vegas for a work event and I get fed alcohol and I get entirely way too intoxicated. I go to the ATM, I use my credit card, they make it very accessible to be able to gamble with my credit card. You know this, Mary Goodman. They make it absolutely incredibly accessible, Councilman, to be able to take all I have. And now I got to go back to Clearwater, Florida and I have nothing. So after this, after I start drinking, I'm, 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 very, I'm very distraught. And the one good thing about this city, I will say, the one good thing is, I, of all the cities I've been to, it's the first city last night at 4 a.m. I saw multiple people on Fremont Street taking the vaccine. That's the only place I've seen a 24-7 vaccine uh, operation in the United States of America. And that's here in Las Vegas. I saw lots of people on Fremont Street doing the vaccine. And I, I want to commend you the one thing. But the vulnerability of the tourists that come here, like myself, it, you're preying on people like me. And then I end up meeting a nice Filipino girl. I take her back to my hotel room, come to find out I, I cost money for her service to come to my room. Mary Goodman. I, I, I end up having a, a good time. We start kissing. We take off her clothes. She has, a, she has male genitalia. She's a transgender. Mary Goodman. Excuse me. This, we're in a public venue, and I think. Please, could you please, excuse me, could you please be calm and whatever? You guys are preying on me, Mary. You know, when I'm out there, I'm vulnerable, and now I have a male genitalia with breasts. It's very confusing. How can we track that? Excuse me, excuse me. I think unless you have an issue that we can address. That's why we call him primetime, 99, on the grind, all the time, always shining, <laughs> always grinding. Oh my God. Uh, that's Alex Stein for you. Uh, within hours, Barstool deleted the post. Stein, within minutes, called out Barstool's cowardice, tweeting, it's so cute that Barstool Sports is owned by El Presidente, our school stool president, who is accused of the most heinous, heinous things, but they are too afraid to keep my content content up. Uh, Portnoy struck his tough guy pose, responding, "Buddy, shut the f up. We are owned by a gambling company. We've had roughly nine thousand training sessions. Not to, not to post shit like this, cause regulators don't like it. Go back to whatever hole you crawled out of." That's Dave Portnoy, tough guy, fake tough guy, poser. Because via DM, Portnoy offered to have Stein on a podcast, but it quickly changed his mind and changed course and backed off. Dave Portnoy is a fraud. He has no core values, no defined set of beliefs. He has no redeeming qualities other than his wealth. Remove his money, 
and he wouldn't have a friend in this world. If we weren't living in an era completely hostile to masculinity, Portnoy would be broke in Boston delivering pizza. The prohibition of masculinity is what made heroes and millionaires of men like Portnoy and Andrew Tate. Tate is a former contestant on the TV show Big Brother. He started something called Hustlers University on TikTok, posting relationship and life advice to young men. He's basically the pornographic version of Kevin Samuels, the now deceased popular relationship YouTuber. Masculinity is like air and water. We need it for survival. The world was built by male energy. Thank God Jesus was masculine. Thank God men were willing to die in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the World Wars, for our freedom. The demonization of masculinity has caused a shortage of it and inflated the value of it. The shortage has created a market for imposters and moonshiners. If ESPN wasn't hostile to masculinity, if all their guys weren't on TV crying and shedding tears about somebody uh, having big lips, there would never have been a market for Portnoy's brand of masculine sports talk. The out of control, believe all women, Me Too movement created the market for Andrew Tate. Alcohol prohibition was bad. Alcohol isn't a necessity. Masculinity is. The ramifications for the prohibition of masculinity are far worse than the repealed 18th Amendment. We've lowered the standard and behavior for manhood so low that idiots believe puberty blockers and surgery can make men. We're so desperate, we'll now accept any form of masculinity. It can be profane, stupid, obscene, criminal, and godless. Let me walk you through a brief history on how we arrived at this level of insanity. The masculinity temperance movement started in earnest in the 1960s, shortly after it became obvious Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s civil rights movement would deliver black people full American citizenship. In reaction, feminists partnered with President Lyndon Johnson's Great Society Initiative to emasculate men. White men failed to strongly object to this diabolical partnership because they mistakenly believed feminists and Democrats planned to only castrate black men. The first wave of this prohibition primarily damaged black men, particularly black men of faith. The first wave spawned celebrity poverty pimps such as Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, the Milli Vanilli of civil rights. They pretended to be fearless freedom fighters while doing the bidding of feminist Democrats and the LGBT crowd. The second wave of this prohibition, prohibition popularized gangster rappers. Tupac Shakur, Snoop Dogg, Jay-Z, and NWA pretended to speak truth to power while promoting degeneracy, criminality, drug use, materialism, and hedonism. The third wave has brought us Portnoy and Tate, internet bullies posing as masculine men. Their success has spawned imitators. The next iteration will be even worse. That's my fire. Uh, without further ado, let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Alex Stein, 99, prime time on the grind all the time. Make it rhyme, make it shine. This is my boy, prime time. 
Alex Stein, welcome to the show. Uh, did I leave anything out? Uh, I left something Jason, out. Jason, no, shut beef. your mouth. You did the, that was the best hype man I've ever gotten. I've done all these shows, Jason, and nobody's ever said it as well as you. I just have to applaud you. I mean, that was insane for the Ukraine. I'm, uh, I'm flabbergasted uh, how awesome that was. Insane in the men brain. Uh, <laughs> listen, your beef with uh, Dave Portnoy, when, when I saw this last night, thought about it, woke up this morning, looked over again. I, I, I went from being a, hey, I like Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports, they're rebels, to ah, I'm a little uncomfortable, Portnoy seems like a blowhard, to then sitting kind of on the fence, to last night this morning, like, this dude's a total fraud. Uh, he, he's capitalized off a culture that has demonized masculinity and now will accept fraudulent forms of masculinity like Dave Portnoy. And, and you and that beef last night just helped me uh, completely understand that, the way he tried to instantly bully you. And then once you stood up to him, he folded like a cheap suit. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, I think that uh, Dave Portnoy got a, Dave, David Portnoy, excuse me, hard to say, got a lot of credit because he went on my biological father, Tucker Carlson, show a few times, a show that you go on as a frequent guest. And he went and he talked about, you know, the pandemic. But for him, the pandemic hurt him financially. So it really wasn't some sort of ideological reason for him to go on there. And he even said in later tweets that everybody was kissing his or sucking his, you know, for I just want to keep it PG-13. And now that, you know, uh, he got exposed. All those people that were a fan of his are calling him out because at the same time, this is the same guy that recently posted that he was pro-abortion and that he's pro-choice. And let's be honest, you know, there's no excuse for being pro-choice, in my opinion, if you want to be considered conservative whatsoever. Well, he's now saying he doesn't want to be considered a conservative. He was always in the middle. He's very neutral. Uh, but th that's I think that's all born out of his fear of being me too and so he wants to play the middle. He's no longer the tough guy. He's got $500 million in the bank and he just wants to protect that. He has no core values and he runs into someone like you that has a pair of balls and a, <laughs> a set of values and beliefs and, and literally is acting like, you're too political, you're too one-sided. I was like, has this dude even watched your videos? You go after everybody. You go after Republicans too. Yeah, I'm anti-establishment, but this is the thing. It's like you're talking about. It's a feminization of men, and this has happened. It goes uh, to him because, like you said, he was a victim of the Me Too. There's allegations against him that, you know, obviously they could be false. I don't know. You know, there's three sides to every story, her, his, and the truth. But my point being is when there's smoke, there's fire. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to distract us from that by going ultra-feminist. And I think that's the, his biggest problem is that's probably not really who he is. At the end of the day, you know, if you're not going to be yourself, if you're not going to be true to yourself, eventually that will get exposed and me exposing Dave Portnoy for being a coward for inviting me on his podcast and then rescinding the offer. It just exposes the hypocrisy of these people that we like to consider elitists. And I don't like to use that word because that seems like a nice word, but it's just typical when you get your $500 million, you have to capitulate to the mob and you have to do whatever your, you know, your boss tells you because you got, you, you stop being yourself and you start being what you think that people want you to be. And when you're ingenuine like that, people can tell from a mile away. Alex, you're, you know, probably 20 years younger than me. 
uh, but I'm wondering if you remember it all or if any of your work, your comedic work, is inspired by Howard Stern. And, you know, Howard Stern's probably five, seven, maybe 10 years older than me. I, I can't remember or know for sure. But I was inspired by his career. And, and I've been devastated at seeing this guy turn into a coward and a fraud. And, and I'm wondering if we're seeing the exact same thing with Dave Portnoy. He rode the rabble rouser, disruptor, fearless, you know, I'll say anything to great wealth, same as Howard Stern. And now when push has come to shove, both these guys cut their balls off and, and are basically men, you know, men who need to go ahead and fully transition and start taking puberty blockers <laughs> and get castrated. Well, Jason, you nailed it. I mean, Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stern, I, he was the king of all media. I mean, I was a diehard fan. I remember his E! show as a child was some of the best content ever created. And he was against the establishment. He was, you know, anti-Hollywood. And he became, and I followed his career closely, and I don't listen to him any longer because he's gotten just basically repugnant with his political viewpoints. And, uh, um, so much so that he went from being one of the funniest guys, a, a leader, the king of all media. Now he's like the king of all crap. I mean, he made fun of podcasters, but he's doing a podcast in his basement. But what poisoned Howard is, is once he got on America's Got Talent and he got a taste of that, you know, commercial fame from everybody, he realized, oh, well, I would rather do this instead of going instead of, you know, uh, appealing to the working class man that he always appealed to, the anti-establishment types. Once he went on America's Got Talent, he turned Hollywood, and he's never looked back. And that's why he's best friends with Jimmy Kimmel, who's been vaccinated six times and has been had COVID seven times. And, uh, you know, Howard Stern was a super talented guy, but now you can't even listen to him. And I think that's what happens to all these people. When you want to be universally liked, and I think this happened to Trump a little bit too, when you try to be universally liked, you end up getting liked by no one, in my opinion. Ooh, th your last comment's interesting. You think this has happened to Donald Trump even? Well, not so much as, you know, I think he still doubles down. But what happened was is a lot with the pandemic and stuff and closing down businesses. I think what he was trying to do is he was trying to appease the left and try to like he should have fired Dr. Fauci as soon as possible. But I, I don't blame Donald Trump because he was on The Apprentice. He's a popular TV guy. He's similar. You know, uh, at one point. Listen, Jason, he was by every rapper. They always put Trump in their songs. He was loved by everybody in the media. He was loved by actors, actresses. And I think once he got to the you know presidential and he once he became the president and he realized everybody hated him i think he wanted to go back to that a little bit and i think that was his problem instead of just being true to himself he did try to capitulate to those old fans of his because he wanted them back and i think that uh, was one of his biggest mistakes in my opinion so tell me what is unique about you and i think is unique about me why don't we care why, why don't we want that popularity? And this has been going on with me. Again, I'm a lot older than you, but, but I, I used to always say, going into press boxes and my media peers, many of them, and particularly, I, I really held this to the people that considered themselves journalists. It's like, when I went into a press box or went to visit a locker room or went to go talk to a coach, I didn't care whether they liked me or not. It was totally unimportant. I wanted respect and I wanted them to answer my questions. I 
want my friends and family, the people that are actually authentically in my life, I want them to like me. Uh, I want them to be happy to see me. I don't want these other people to be unhappy to see me, but if they are and I've done nothing wrong, I don't care. And so I, I'm wondering, and I think you seem to have the same set of values, why do we have those values and other people don't, or why aren't we chasing that kind of approval? Well, I just want to applaud you. I mean, you're one of the most legendary Kansas City journalists to ever exist, you know, going after the Chiefs. And they're, you know, a class organization. And I think a lot of people in your position wouldn't do that, especially in the sports media today. As soon as they get a job, they want to keep a job. So they're afraid to actually call out these sports teams. And let's be honest, every single sports team that's not winning the championship has a lot of, you know, things you could call them out for. But I think the reason why you and I are unique is for me is that. You know, I'm sure yours, you know, pretty popular. You're pretty well liked. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't just like somebody. They have to earn my respect like you, like those players. They have to earn your respect. And I think that I know that I'm only going to appeal to a niche audience. I'm not trying to appeal to everybody. So if I'm just going to be true to myself, like you're true to yourself and you applaud stuff that you think is good and you call out those that, are, that you think are doing bad and being true to yourself, then you live fearless and you're not worried about the opinion of others because first of all there's a saying you know your, your biggest fan is a stranger and your biggest hater is probably somebody close to you and so maybe you've had you know i've gone through traumatic issues in my life that have toughened me up to realize that you know there are only a few people that really care about me and i care about them back and other than that you know i want to call out the hypocrisy and i want to call out the phonies and the frauds just like you want to do because i'm being true to myself and i think the the phoniness is you know easily easily noticeable from these uh, frauds and cowards that are in high positions of power. I'm going to say this. I want to get your reaction, Alex. My answer would be, and because I don't want to make assumptions about you, but, but let me know if this applies. Again, having grown up in the church and having been discipled and groomed to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that I, I, even when I was out into the world and much wilder than I am now, I really only sought the approval of God. And again, I, and trust me, I was doing a lot of things that he disapproved of. But I, I, the, the approval of man has never really interested me because I was taught in my church upbringing that there's only one person who needs to approve of you. And if he's good, screw everyone else. And that has pretty much been my mentality. And so I look at this culture we built that's very secular, very detached from God. And I look at Dave Portnoy, don't know him well. He just doesn't seem like someone that has much of a relationship with God. Maybe, maybe he's a big time Christian, I don't know. But I'm very, when I look at all, Howard Stern strikes me as an atheist mm -hmm. or someone not real connected to God. And, and when, so when I look at a lot of these people, and there's, I could rattle off names of a lot of people, no relationship with God, and they seek public approval constantly. What man thinks of them is most important. And, and that's why this society is in such a mess is because everyone's running around thinking the ultimate is being, oh, how many likes do I have over social media? How many followers do I have over social media? Does man approve of me? Does man like me and follow me? 
and that will lead you to a path of fraudulence. No, you're exactly right. I mean, that's the whole scam is they want to try to make you think that two rocks smashed together 13 billion years ago and everything came from nothing and that you and I, you and I evolved from pond scum. That is provably false. There was a creator that created us. And that's right. That's the only approval I care about. And my mother and father, you know, I definitely want their approval. I think that everybody wants to, you know, approve over their family, even if you have issues with them. But that's, you're exactly right. I, I, I'm anti-authority. I was in the principal's office all the time. I was in detention all the time because I don't really don't like the authority figures like you exactly said you nailed it right and i think you're and i don't want to speak for you too is having that connection to the creator makes you feel like there is meaning to this life and it's not just likes and clicks and money so realizing there's more to this life than all these materialistic things that are actually toxic you know putting your ego into inanimate objects is one of the most toxic things you can do and you could see from dave portno's reaction saying he had 500 million dollars that he values how much money he has more than he values anything else. And when you do that, you can lose that money in an instant. The government can take it from you for in an instant, but they cannot take away your spirituality and your connection to God, which is so incredibly important. What, how do you think, do you think this is over? Do you think Dave Portnoy will <laughs> muster up the courage to come back at you? Or, 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 perhaps, or will you, are you plotting your next, or is Dave Portnoy on your target list uh, to be trolled? Well, let me give you the inside scoop. So I have a mutual friend from college that now works at Barstool Sports, and Dave had him on the podcast. So my friend called me today and said, oh, Dave talked about you on his podcast today. So it's not going to stop. And my friend, he works for Barstool. He's like, Alex, you know, I want this off the record. But basically, I and I'm not going to say anything he said off the record, but I'm going to say this. I said, listen, Ben. You better tell Dave, you better warn them that when I'm in New York City, I'm coming straight to the headquarters and I'm going to find him. I don't care if he's doing a pizza review. I don't care if he's doing a podcast. Primetime 99, Alex Stein is going to call him out to his face. And he said that Dave addresses if that uh, potentially happens. So I think this is just chapter one in the primetime versus Presidente uh, you know, novel. So we shall see where it goes from here. And he even said in his tweet, he's rooting for my demise. So if I'm the villain in his, uh, you know, in his uh, biography, I, I don't mind playing that role. I love professional wrestling. I'll be the Stone Cold Steve Austin to the Dave Portnoy. Yeah, he's not going to win that fight. This is going to be ugly. <laughs> I'm going to be your corner man, your hype man. Prime time, on the grind, 99, going to shine, all the time, bar stool. Watch out. <laughs> Thank Alex you. Stein, he's a fool. He's a fool. The bar stool That's a fact. ain't ready for it. <laughs> no way, Jose! Dave Portnoy's going away! We're gonna, I'm coming for you, Dave. NYC, you better be ready, because I'm going to cut you up just like Freddy Krueger. You know who I'm talking about. I'll be finding you in your nightmares. Come on, guys. Let's get it ready. I'm going to bring the confetti, because Primetime 99 is bringing the party. Thank you, Alex. Great job. Go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit notifications. Hit subscribe. Email us. Let us know what you think at uh, fearless at theblaze.com. Shamika Michelle, some Shamoke Show. Nerd. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be, I just want. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's bring in some Shamoke, uh, Shamika Michelle. Uh, I want to talk about the Andrew Tate aspect of this. 
We just heard from Alex Stein and his beef uh, with Dave Portnoy. But the other part of this is this Andrew Tate, who has been getting banned from all these different social media platforms. He's the latest guy who's getting the Alex Jones treatment. I, I, I read up on Andrew Tate. I, I've only been aware of him in the past week or so. He was not someone that was on my radar, but to the best of my ability, he, he comes across, or to the best of my understanding, he comes across as a profane, more obscene version of Kevin Samuels, uh, the very popular relationship YouTuber who died uh, this year tragically. Uh, uh, Kevin Samuels had a big following among African Americans uh, with his uh, relationship advice. Andrew Tate seems to be cut from the same cloth, although he's like an X-rated version of, of Kevin Samuels. I don't know if you can tell by the pictures, but Andrew Tate, I think his father's African-American, his mother, white woman from England. Uh, he was born in America, but I think he was raised in England. Uh, and I think he lives now in Romania. He, he He's the corporate media cast him as a misogynist that, you know, is, you know, inspiring, misleading, discipling the, these young angry men all over the world to be, because I think he's got four or five million TikTok followers or had four or five million TikTok followers. So anyway, I think Shamika Michelle knows a little bit more about Andrew Tate than I do. And I wanted to get her thoughts Maybe she can unpack Andrew Tate a little bit better uh, for us in the audience. So, uh, Shamika, welcome to the show. And Thank tell you. us what you know about Andrew Tate and what you think about Andrew Tate. Is he being treated fairly? I don't know a lot about Andrew Tate. I've seen some of his videos mainly posted on accounts that I follow that I predominantly agree with. I've actually posted a video or two of his that I thought was very good. I am not a fan of anyone being banned simply for hate speech. And I understand people say, well, these are private companies. They don't have to have you on there. But I don't like that. And I know that he is alleged that he's done some heinous things, rape, maybe abusing women. But these are allegations. And I believe that somebody is innocent until proven guilty. I don't think you should take someone down just because of hearsay or something that hasn't been proven. If you don't agree with what he's saying, move on. And for me, I think I have been surprised at just the celebrations of him being removed by people who have coupled him with Kevin Samuels or with Jordan Peterson, it shows me that across the board, people have a hard time with masculinity. Now, I've never looked at him and thought, okay, he's the epitome, uh, the epitome of masculinity because I don't like men that are very boisterous or show-offy, and that's how he came across to me. He, he didn't remind me of my grandfather, but some of the things that he said, I did agree with. And so it's kind of like eat the meat and spit out the bones or don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't like the fact that he's just being wiped completely off social media. I don't think that's fair. And the celebration of it 
we can just tell women hate masculinity. I'm starting to think women want chicks with dicks. They want best friends that they can gossip with, get their toes done with, laugh and cackle with, and maybe have a penis just in case they decide to have your baby. I'm starting to think women don't want men at all because anytime this comes up, there's this huge celebration. And I saw this one group of women saying that white people thought Andrew Tate was a threat, so they quickly got rid of him. But black men were following Kevin Samuels, which shows how weak black men are. And I totally disagree with that. I think Kevin Samuels had some really good things to offer, just as the things that I've heard with Andrew Tate, some of them I agree with. So let me see if I understand that fully. Andrew Tate's dad is black, but again, he kind of appears to, Andrew Tate kind of looks white, and most of his following was white. Is that, is that how you understand it? That's the claim people are making. I've seen that, oh, Kevin Samuels only appealed to black people. Of course, we know that's not true just by Steve Kim, <laughs> but... They're saying that Andrew Tate had a wider reach across, you know, different races. And so that's why he was more of a threat. That's what people are claiming. And so they're like, like a hey, white people shut Andrew Tate down and black men didn't have the courage or the integrity to shut Kevin Samuels down. Is that that's the argument? Yes, that's what people are saying. And of course, you know, there's always this big thing, black women versus black men, this argument. There was a woman that came out a couple weeks ago with a video where she was really tearing black men to shreds, saying that they had a low emotional intelligence. Well, somehow she ended up getting fired. And so there's been this just big beef that, um, you know, why didn't anyone shut Kevin Samuels down? Why is it that we have a problem when black women speak out and they're trying to tell black men that you don't have it all together, but the moment someone says something about a black woman, we love to hear it and we run with it. And all I've seen is people coupling Kevin Samuels and Andrew Tate. He's been trending because of this whole Andrew Tate thing. And I'm thinking if Andrew Tate was this, you know, horrific person, if he was into human trafficking or whatever, again, these are allegations. Why would you even couple Kevin Samuels with him simply because you disagreed with what he had to say? We never heard of anything, anybody saying that Kevin raped them or mistreated them or uh, physically abused them, but we're putting them in the same category. And as well as Jordan Peterson. That's just crazy to me. All three of these men, from what I've seen, just talk about masculinity. Of course, again, I don't agree with every single thing. Some of the things Andrew Tate said really came across as just uh, show-offy. And um, but I, I don't think he should be wiped from every platform. And I don't think we should be saying, oh, you know, he's just like Kevin Samuels. Y'all should have gotten rid of him, too. God did his work. You know, karma is a bitch. All of these things that I'm seeing women say 
the way they've been trending the last couple of days just shows that women don't like men. They want men that are going to bend over forward so they can strap on a dildo and have their way with them. Women are afraid of masculinity and they want men who are going to bow to their every will and whim. I saw an article that said uh, single men have less women to choose from because women are starting to value themselves more. I don't really think that's true in a way that men should be uh, fearful that they're not going to have somebody to pick from. I think that men are really trying to find themselves and figure out where they fit in this earth realm. And they have decided that they are not going to continue to bow to the will of women. And so, yes, maybe that means you don't have as many women to choose from, but I don't think that's something that men should get scared for and start feeling like, well, I got to now do what the women say, because if not, I'm going to be single. I think that's just a tactic to try and scare men into following along with what women want, which is sometimes foolish. So I would translate everything you're saying down to there's women, black and white, that want to be the leaders in all endeavors, including, and most importantly, in their relationship. Yes. And, and so that's, there's not a, they want a masculine man that will do what he's told. You know, right. so if, if, if <laughs> and, and, you know, along with masculinity, comes some leadership responsibilities and, and all of this, Shamika, I, I just always connected back to, there's just an, an objection to the natural order that's described in the Bible and from a biblical worldview that we, American society, global society, is just rejecting. And, and male leadership is at the, at the top of that hit list, which is a little perfect segue because I know you watched uh, our, our show yesterday about House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones, and I know you watched House of the Dragon last night, and I think you had some thoughts or comments about our entire conversation because I think that show, House of the Dragon, just where Game of Thrones left off is just an attack on male leadership and it's an attack on the patriarchy, but I know you got a chance to watch it last night. Your thoughts? For one, Jason, I will say that I'm glad the queen died, and I'm glad that she died in childbirth because the things that she was saying I thought was just ridiculous. And if I could read one of the, a couple of things she said was, when she was talking to her daughter and her daughter was saying she wanted to go out and fight or whatever, the queen said to her, this discomfort is how we serve the realm. She also said the childbed is our battlefield. We must learn to face it with a stiff lip. And I've never looked at childbearing or being a mother as something I needed to face with a stiff lip. She just made it seem as if it was this horrific experience and it was just another tool of oppression for women as if we are punished for being women and, and opposed to we can bear children because it's a privilege of being a woman. So I was glad that she died in childbirth because I thought that was silly for her to push that 
that I think life and death is in the power of the tongue. So since she was claiming so much negativity over childbirth, she got what she deserved. Hmm. That, that's an interesting take. I, my, I wasn't, when I watched it, I wasn't bothered by her comments. You've given me a different way to look at her comments, and I think I agree with you. I was more upset with the, the child's point of view and just the whole way the thing was framed as, hey, here's this exploitive husband that's choosing death for his wife and trying to save this male heir. And, and, and I thought there was an opportunity or perhaps even a more realistic, but I'm not a mother, you are. If, if, if you've carried a child for nine months and the doctor comes in and says, hey, there's a healthy baby we can deliver, but it may cost you your life uh, let's take Shamika out of it. How do you think most mothers, what choice would they make in that situation? I think many women would want to have the baby anyway. I know right now I'd throw myself in front of a train for either one of my children if I had to. And because I'm a sh- I'm extremely anemic. With my first child, I was in threat of having to have blood transfusions and being putting myself in a position where I could have had a very negative experience with childbirth or even died. So I never looked at it as if this was something that was put on me and that I didn't deserve and woe is me. I would do it all again, and I I wouldn't choose anything different. Even if they told me, hey, you may not make it, then give my child a chance to live and do things that I wasn't able to do. Yeah, so that was the part of the show where, where I thought the writers, someone in that room that's helping them write could, but again, that's not what they want to do. They want to portray men as evil and diabolical, but but... I, I think they could have written that completely different and the the king and the queen could have agreed like, hey, look, let's take this risk. We want to have this baby. I've carried it for nine months. It's a human being. Uh, I just think there's a lot of mothers that would make that choice and would gladly, you know, my mother's watching right now. And trust me, if somebody came in here with a gun and tried to shoot me, as best she could, she'd get up out of her chair and try to jump in front of that bullet. I'd be up out of my chair, jumping in front of the bullet, trying to protect her, but we'd probably collide. Bullet would miss both of us. We'd fall to the ground and laugh about it. Uh, (laughs) But Shamika, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, Get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh, We're gonna bring the Korean Cosell back to see if he can duplicate Uh, what he did yesterday on this show, which was terrific. Steve Kim, next. All right, let's roll out to Los Angeles and uh, bring in the Korean co-sell, Steve Kim. Uh, Steve, uh, I'm going to start here, uh, not with Dave Portnoy, not with Alex Stein, 
not with Andrew Tate. I'm going to start here. When are you moving to Nashville? Your performance yesterday was Michael Jordan-esque. Uh, you were amazing. I so look forward uh, to your appearances on this show. Uh, yesterday, at one point, I was like, is Steve Kim better than me at this? Is he better than me? And then I snapped to my senses and said, hell no. Uh, but uh, when are you moving to Nashville? Screw Mario Lopez. You need to be right here uh, being, you know, being my funnier Ed McMahon. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> First of all, geez, I'm blushing. Oh my God. I, I, you know what's funny? I've been called Harold Minor of a lot of things. Never Michael Jordan. That might be among the top 1,000 compliments I've ever gotten. And I'm just going to say this about Nashville or anything else. If Gavin Newsom keeps this up, which he will, unfortunately, I leave nothing off the table. So TBA. TBA. Let's just leave it at that. Let's just tease it with that. Look, man, we have no state taxes here. Uh, you know, we got massage parlors here too, Steve. We, we got really? we got everything you need. Yeah, we got everything you need. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You just upped the ante. I, I got to tell you, right now, I feel like Alex Rodriguez in the early part of 2001. Now, if you can give me Alex Rodriguez in 2001 money from the Rangers, we may we may have a deal here. I may call you Black Monty Hall. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go back to the discussion we were having earlier in the show. Uh, the Dave Portnoy, Alex Stein feud over Twitter last night was pretty amazing. Uh, and it leads to these bigger, broader points I was making earlier in the show in my fire starter, my conversation with, with Alex, that <clears throat> the attack on masculinity has created this opportunity for these fake cowboys and posers like Dave Portnoy uh, to get rich. But this is kind of my final straw with Portnoy. I, I, I had went from supporter to sitting on the fence to watching this thing last night with Alex Stein and just being like, I'm off Portnoy. He's a poser and a fake and a fraud. Uh, Barstool has gone completely woke. Uh, he got his money. All he cares about is, you know, chasing young tail. He has no set of beliefs, morals, or values. Uh, I'm just not a fan of Dave Portnoy. I didn't like the, thought he came out on the, the losing side of that feud last night with Alex Stein. You know, with Dave Portnoy, someone that I certainly respect and admire as a capitalist, he has built something from the ground up. That has to be stated, and, and I think that's incredibly admirable. But I agree with you in this sense, Jason. When you're the at the beginning uh, of a venture like that, you are the outlier, and there's a renegade quality to what you do. Then you build up the business. Then all of a sudden you become mainstream. And once you start to align yourself with corporate interest or corporate overlords or partners, then you become part of the establishment. And I think what's going on here with Portnoy, who's never really made his politics or social beliefs all that much of a secret, given the fact he appeared on Fox News, he was very outspoken to his credit about certain things. And I said, okay, so that's where he stands on things, which is absolutely fine. None of us have to agree with everybody, every single issue. 
Now what I'm seeing is, is this fake neutrality where he's trying to get back social credit from the very same people that he angered on the way up now that he's up on the perch uh, up along this uh, white castle that he's on. And I, I think it's interesting with Alex Stein. I would never get into a battle with Alex Stein because the most dangerous thing about him, uh, he's like a suicide bomber. He's got nothing to lose, and he'll take himself out. Those are the type of guys you just kind of leave alone. Yeah, Alex Stein's not scared. Dave Portnoy is scared. And the, the fake neutrality deal is what is probably most offensive to me. Uh, this guy went to the White House, interviewed Trump, buddied up with Trump, uh, and, and obviously, I went to the White House, interviewed Trump. Uh, wouldn't say I buddied up with Trump, but I'm clear as day, I don't have a problem with Donald Trump. And now, uh, once he gets afraid of the whole Me Too thing, and, and he has reason, the Business Insider did what apparently was an unfair story on him and his sexual proclivities or uh, lifestyle or whatever. But the way he's reacted since then has made me believe there is some story out there about him as it relates to women that he's afraid of, that, that he's created enough enemies in that space that he's afraid of that. And that's when, when the guy did the video, like, oh my God, the Republicans are nut jobs. Uh, yeah. The Supreme Court went too far with banning abortion. Like, well, hold on, who did you think these people were? Donald Trump was, Clear as day, I'm going to appoint Supreme Court justices that are going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Don't catch religion now, now that you got two, three hundred million sitting in the bank. And, and, and now, or, you know, he says, uh, he told Stein, 500 million sitting in the bank. Now you, you want to, oh, I'm neutral. I, I hate both political parties. Where was any of that smoke, any of that heat when you were sitting on Tucker Carlson and every other Fox News show? It, it, it wasn't there. This guy is a fraud. He's, he's spawned imitators. Uh, I, I'm not going to call out his primary imitator by name, although I guess this will be the least fearless thing I've ever done. But, you know, there's all kinds of videos of his primary imitator where he was on abortion and how pro-abortion he was, but now that, you know, he's replacing Rush Limbaugh, now, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he has no opinion <laughs> on abortion. Again, these fake, tough guys uh, annoy me. What's interesting, and again, I don't know what Dave Portnoy's bank account looks like. He's never showed me. I don't think he ever will. But I find it highly ironic, Jason, in this life, especially when it comes to the sports, <clears throat> media, entertainment field, because they're all melded together, let's be honest about it, is that the less you have, the bolder you are. The more you have, the less courageous you get. I find that fascinating. I find that fascinating that when you begin a venture and your bank account is in the five figures you have a set of guts and fortitude. Now, when you have purportedly a half billion dollars, then you get very, very cautious. I would think human nature would say, well, wait a minute. There's a thing in life called F you money, right? That I have so much money, no matter what I think, 
F you. This is what I think. Um, and I find that alarming and I find that disturbing. But we've also seen that with Howard Stern. I think a lot of this goes back to him. Howard Stern, back when I was a young kid, I'd see him on David Letterman a couple times a year. I couldn't really listen to him because I'm living in L.A. And I thought to myself, man, this guy gives none at all. Then for like he was like that for 25 years. But then in the last seven to eight years, we've seen this transformation, this metamorphosis. And I'm like, the Howard Stern of 1990 would absolutely hate the Howard Stern of 2020. I, I think it's very strange the way that happens, that the more you have, the less courageous you get. And in my view, in many ways, um, depending on your lifestyle and how you squander your money or don't, it should be just the opposite. I love it. You're echoing a great point that uh, Alex Stein and I uh, referenced. I, I love uh, the Howard Stern point. I, I think that's a very accurate description of Dave Portnoy. And, and Howard Stern w was a guy that built up this great following. He was the most fearless man in, in, in radio. I, I read his book, Private Parts. I, you know, obviously went and watched the movie about him. And, you know, he was that guy uh, for a long time. And, and it, it is interesting that let's say you got 300 million in the bank in your day, Portnoy, or 500 million, like, like he bragged over Twitter and, and social media. Uh, that is the enough money that you should be able to say, I don't care. What anybody thinks about me, I don't care if I'm not popular, but, but what, when you don't go that direction and don't stand on that kind of F you money, as you said, to me, it, it indicates, oh, I've got some dirty little secret that I'm afraid of that could bring my whole house crumbling down like a house of cards. And I, I say the same thing about Howard Stern. If you, and I used to listen to his show, and I, clearly I, I was a fan. Uh, when you got strippers in studio uh, getting naked half the time on your show, and and just let me be in complete transparency. Anybody that ever uh, listened to my old podcast, Real Talk, when I at Fox Sports a decade, decade and a half ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, uh, but I had interviews with, I'm, I'm not gonna call her by name, she's a good friend of mine, Angel, uh, <laughs> in studio and naked, doing an interview. And, and again, but when you're that guy, that probably means, oh man, you got some secrets or some skeletons in your closet. And again, that's why I, I'm just transparent about who I am, who I was, uh, but a lot of these guys are hiding things and they're scared to death uh, that they'll get found out and, and taken down. And I think that's what's motivating uh, uh, Dave Portnoy here. Uh, but, but it's interesting. Do you think in any way this could damage eventually the Barstool brand? Because the, the other analogy that I, I thought about, remember what a big deal Girls Gone Wild was and Joe Francis? Yeah. Uh, and and I do. then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they just disappeared. And Girls Gone Wild was a big deal. And Joe Francis made a bunch of money. And I think now he lives in Mexico somewhere, in, in basically in hiding or whatever. But 
do you do you think the Barstool Sports brand is impenetrable, can't be hurt by Dave Portnoy going woke and the whole brand going woke? Well, not not to the degree of Joe Francis and his company, because I, I think there are some issues with uh, legal issues in terms of where the girls underage. Look, Barstool Sports, say what you want. I don't think they've had any type of legal entanglements to that nature. Now, is there a chance that Barstool may turn off a certain segment of their audience who was in line, or they thought they were aligned with Dave Portnoy from a social or political standpoint? I think there's a chance, but let's give Barstool Sports credit and Dave Portnoy for what he's built and constructed. It's a strong brand. I mean, it's almost cultish, cultish to a point if they went to Guyana, they would sip the great Kool-Aid if Dave Portnoy had jugs of it filling up their cups. He's, he's built a following that is incredibly loyal. But is there a chance that there's a certain segment that lean heavily to the right that'd be like, OK, we're done with it? I, I don't think there's any doubt. You know, Jason, it was interesting when the whole Roe versus Wade thing was overturned by the Supreme Court. I, I've never really put my opinions out there on Twitter unless you've asked me on this program. That's my job to give an opinion. I'm kind of in the gray area. Um, I was surprised, though, when I saw a retweet of Dave Portnoy, who was absolutely disgusted. And he said, this is going to turn the election back to Biden. And, and I'm just like, wow, you know, this is what I don't think a lot of people realize in any position or any stature. You don't always have to give an opinion on everything. Sometimes you, in fact, every time you have a right to be apathetic and don't give a comment. But I see this a lot in boxing media. These guys do this performative wokeness to show people and to appease those who don't like them to see, see guys, I'm not such a bad guy. See, I'm, I'm an SJW too. It, it's the most pathetic thing, really. They're phonier than a $3 bill. And when I read that from Portnoy and I saw it, I said, huh, this is interesting. Does he mean it or is he being forced to mean it? That's the first thing I thought of when I saw that tweet several months ago. All right, Steve, I want to do an approval rating on Portnoy. <laughs> and then I want to come back and ask you about uh, Brittany Griner's twin brother, Dennis Rodman, going to <laughs> Russia to try to save uh, Brittany Griner. So we'll, we'll get into that. But first, let's do the approval rating on Dave Portnoy. And I'll just say this, Michael Jordan, uh, the Korean <laughs> Michael Jordan. I'll say this. If this score is not low enough, this oh. could be your last appearance on this show. This oh. could be your last appearance on this show if this score is not low enough. I'm going to send oh, you no. back to, to the arms of Mario Lopez. I'm going to take the <laughs> Michael Jordan nickname off of you and call you Bill Cartwright if this score is not low mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to start with job performance. I, I got to say, my bias and my now animus towards uh, Dave Portnoy probably influenced me here. He should have, he deserves a 25. He, he took something and made it into a $500 billion company, but I, I only gave him a 20 because I have so much disgust and animus towards him after he tried to spar with my guy, Alex Stein. So I gave him a 20. Job Look, I have a theory or a saying in life. We don't have to agree with every damn thing that anyone else says. 
I think we have too much of an issue where if a guy says 99 things that we agree with, it's that 100 thing that we don't, that we focus on. So I feel with Dave Portnoy. He's built a great company and a brand. Believe it or not, I also gave him a 20. Mm, that's all right. You're, you're off to a decent start. You gave him the same score as me. You're off to a decent start. You have a chance of surviving this show, Michael Jordan. Uh, character, char- I, I, I was being charitable and gave him a point for character. The a guy point. has no character. One point. He gets one point for character. I, and that's all out of charity. I should have given him a zero. Uh, you know, stands for nothing, falls for anything. Uh, look, I, I have no problem uh, with guys that like to chase younger women. Uh, but, you know, at some point, you know, it's probably time to, to leave the college girls alone. And, and that way you won't be getting in these he said, she said situations that, that he finds himself uh, constantly in. Uh, so I gave him a one in character. He's a low character individual. Okay, first of all, I, you said college. You're right. Let's not point, uh, paint him as our Portnoy. I, I mean, you call it a character flaw. I call it a preference that many men agree with. <laughs> Look, I think he got railroaded by that business story. I think it was terrible. I kind of get it. I think maybe I'm a little bit high here, and you're going to start to give me my uh, unconditional waivers after this one. I actually gave him a 10. Uh-oh. Look, Uh-oh. look, I, 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 that, that's about nine points too high, but I'm going to let it go. Uh, because I, I have to admit, I, I got to admit, look, I don't, I don't have a real problem with men who like younger women. I would be a hypocrite if, yeah, if, we all would. if I said I was. But when you are the founder and the president of a $500 million company and you've got all these employees uh, counting on you, you can find 25, 26-year-old grad students or just into the workforce people to date you can you don't have to you know you don't have to hit the sorority house all right in other words what you're saying is you'd rather have him dating the fifth year red shirt than the true freshman i get it but then what do you think of hugh hefner okay you know what bad example let's move on let's move on i shouldn't have gone there shouldn't have gone there (laughs) that was right on brand for hugh hefner uh so Anyway, uh, authenticity, I don't find him authentic at all. Uh, this whole little pivot to, oh, I hate both sides. I, I've always hated both sides. And oh my God, I can't believe they're illegalizing abortion. I won't be able to pay for all these abortions I've paid for uh, when, I'm all, when I'm running around these college campuses and flying girls in from college campuses to my mansions on the ocean. I can't now pay for the abortions. Oh, how's this pizza taste, guys? Oh my God. I gave him a two in authenticity. Uh, he's not authentic at all. Okay, when it comes to imitating white people, you're no Martin Lawrence. Like, I'm going to tell you, you need to work <laughs> on that one. All right, you're going to kill me for this one. I gave him a 10 because you're right. I don't think he's all that authentic. However, for the most part, he is who he is. I mean, look. Maybe if I'm a man in his position from his thinking, look, if I'm going to be with young women, 
maybe I do need to be pro-choice. We all align ourselves with our own self-interest, no matter how selfish. So kill me with that. I got a 10. Uh, you're floating in trouble areas. Now, you've already got him at 40. Uh, I think 45 is the limit for dumpster fire. Uh, oh. you're, you're in some real uh -oh. trouble here. And so, uh, it factor, I'm not expecting you to go very high. It factor, he's got that cheesy beard. Uh, Dave Portnoy looks like and acts like the goofball uh, that never had any popularity or any success with women until he got a half billion dollars. And, and that half billion dollars is all of his it factor. And it's a great it factor. Half billion dollars will do a lot for you as it relates to it factor. But it ain't him. And when he loses that money, all of his it factor goes down the tubes and out the toilet. So I gave him an eight in it factor. Uh, probably should have gave him a nine, you know, nine figures. He's got a nine figure wealth. Uh, but I gave him an eight in it factor. All right. Steve? At this point, you could call off the U-Hauls and the moving vans from me to Nashville from L.A. Look, you give me a half billion dollars, I'll start looking like Brad Pitt, and I wouldn't mind. All I know is this. Every time he tweets or says something, it gets a lot of hits and retweets, and it creates buzz. Whether it's good or bad, we can argue. Again, we do not have to agree with everyone all the doggone time. The guy's created the brand. He's still very much the face of it. Um, I, I just want to thank you for all the time I've had on the Blaze and what is going to be my last appearance. I'm going to miss you guys. I had a lot of fun here for the past year. I gave him a 20. I got to give his due. Work. That, that's the unbiased nature. That's why I am the Korean co-sell. I call it. Can we waiting. get Alex Stein back on the show right now hey, man, to see if listen, Alex is available? No, I'm Team Can Stein. Can I put a contract in front of Alex Stein? Primetime Stein is the Michael Jordan of contributors on this show. Uh, I've, I've, I'm sorry. Is who? Is that BJ Armstrong I'm talking to right now? BJ Armstrong uh, has him at candlelit a 60. This is ridiculous. I got Dave Portnoy appropriately at a dumpster fire, a 31. You don't take on Alex Stein. I have, now I'm going to half-heartedly, because you've ruined all my enthusiasm, I'm going to half-heartedly ask you, Steve, about uh, Brittany Griner's twin brother, Dennis Rodman, uh, going over to Russia to save her. Uh, do you think Dennis will be effective? And maybe we can do a prisoner swap. Dennis Rodman could swap himself out. He could classify as transgender. Just think about it. Dennis Rodman gets to be locked up with a bunch of Russian women in prison, and Brittany Griner gets to come home. I think they would both be happy. Russian women are smoking hot. I, I would imagine even the Russian women inside prison are smoking hot. Dennis Rodman, I think he still likes women. I know he paints his nails and does a bunch of other crazy stuff, but last I knew he still liked women. If I'm Dennis Rodman, he, he could classify himself as Brittany Griner, go to that Russian prison and have his way. All I can say is this about uh, Dennis Rodman as a Korean. I certainly appreciated his efforts with Kim Jong-un or ill or whoever it is at this point uh, to bring peace in the 38th parallel so that all of us could live under one Samsung. 
Okay, uh, not so sure how that really worked out. But here's a broader point. Until that Rodman story came out yesterday, which made me chuckle a little bit as I saw it on my Twitter timeline. Jason, didn't you kind of forget about this story for about two weeks? And it goes to show you nobody really cares. We could virtue signal or a certain athlete could say, hey, we are all BG knowing you're not BG. You don't care about BG. You don't think about BG. You never watch BG, which is certainly all right because neither did I. But for about two weeks, she was completely off the radar. And, and I think I give Dennis credit because, ironically, he made this story rebound, and now we're kind of chuckling about it. But that's the bigger, broader point that I have. It's funny. It's a headline. Uh, Dennis thinks that he's the black um, – who was that diplomat? That Henry Kissinger. He's the modern-day black Henry Kissinger, bringing peace, bringing people together, brokering deals. But, again, the serious point is no matter what certain people tell us, we just don't care. Have you ever seen Brittany Griner and Dennis Rodman on the same basketball court at the same time? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. They're about 25 years apart. That's a little unfair. You don't think they, they don't resemble each other? No. I really don't. No. I, I'm gonna get no. I'm, people are so mad at me right now. I'm yeah. sorry, Brittany. Give me wish you luck. Hope you get home it. from prison. Get me out of here. Yeah. Well, let me get. Let, let me see. It's all this conversation about Portnoy and Andrew Tate has brought out the worst in me. Thank you, Steve. I gotta let you go. I'm in all kinds of trouble. I've said stupid things today. Uh, support conservative voices. Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com/fearless and get ten dollars off your yearly subscription. Professor D, Delano Squires, can save the show. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's get a little smarter. Go out to Washington, D.C and bring in our main man, Delano Squires, smartest man on the show. Uh, D, I want to uh, give you kind of the final say-so on my fire starter today and the whole conversation we've had about the prohibition of masculinity and the ramifications of that prohibition. There's a seething hostility towards uh, masculinity. It's creating, I believe, these bootlegger, moonshining, mm. masculinity, frauds and clowns like Dave Portnoy and Andrew Tate. And, and if we allowed proper biblical masculinity to resurface, uh, these guys would go away, they wouldn't have an audience, there wouldn't be a market for their kind of irresponsible, clownish, buffoonish masculinity. Uh, your thoughts? I agree with you 100%, Jason. I think these guys, the Andrew Tates, the Dave Portnoy's, um, are what you get when a, a culture tries to overcorrect for the excesses of, of the feminist left. So a lot of times, you know, we talk about threats to masculinity from, as I said, the feminists who want to, you know, emasculate men who feel that men are... Um, that, ma that masculinity itself is toxic, that men are oppressive, that marriage is oppressive. 
So we've had an overcorrection, and now you have guys on the, I guess, technically the far right. I'm, I'm sure, I mean, Portnoy is not an actual conservative, but these are guys who are expressing um, some variation, some extreme variation of traditional uh, values, and they take it too far to the opposite direction, and now, um, you know, they they are equally as as toxic in in that particular um, space where you're talking about relationships between men and women. So, um, I, I love the fact that you, or I noticed the fact that you you sort of tied them in in some capacity in your column with with Kevin Samuels, and and this is what I, I've you know said to people. I think. Andrew Tate is a much more vulgar, less polished, younger, um, you know, European sort of version of of Kevin Samuels. Because when you when you watch um, actually both of their content, and this is one of the things I said about Kevin Samuels after he had passed, obviously his untimely death, is that if if I'm a young single guy and I'm watching Kevin Samuels. I don't think I'm in any better position as it relates to going out and, and finding the woman that I want to spend the rest of my life with. I may be in a better position to rack up a lot of notches on my belt, right? So I can listen to him. I'll dress better. I'll look better. I'll, you know, cut, cut a few inches off the waistline. I'll, you know, I'll smell better, so on. I may drive better, get a better job. But I didn't. I never got the sense that his, his content was pushing men towards, uh, as you as you said, the sort of biblical model of of healthy masculinity in which guys find find a wife and have babies with her, raise his children, think intergenerationally, think about the legacy that he leaves, um, be faithful to her, and so on and so on and so forth. I never got the sense that that's what he was doing, and definitely not getting that from Andrew Tate or Dave Portnoy. So I want to dig in a little deeper here, and and I'm open to having my mind changed, being given a a new revelation. I'd I'd liked and was a supporter of Kevin Samuels. Mm -hmm. I I don't know where he stood faith-wise, but what I liked was that he was creating a conversation and creating room for... Uh, or wetting people's ear for the kind of message that I get from Delano Squires. And so there's like a process uh, to getting people there. And there has to be room in the culture and people's eyes open to the fact that they even know that like, oh, Delano and his biblical worldview and the family he's raising, that's actually the ideal. Things have moved so far away that like to me it's like someone like Kevin Samuels knocks down the doors or opens people's ears so that they can even hear what a Delano Squires has to say. And so I, I wasn't, I, I liked Kevin Samuels. He, he did not reflect my <clears throat> uh, worldview, mm-hmm. but the things he was preaching weren't so foreign to my worldview that I saw him as a detriment. That's where I disagree with Andrew Tate. I think, as best I can tell, the limited knowledge I have of what he's doing, it's just like there's no path from his worldview to mine or yours. With right. Kevin Samuels, I think that there was, but I, th- I think you disagree with that. 
No, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, and I'll, I'll two things about Andrew Tate. One, um, even though I, I don't, I'm not a huge, I'm not a fan of his content. I'm familiar with him. I've seen more videos over over the last, you know, couple of months. I don't think he should be banned from these platforms because there are people who say all type of garbage on these platforms who don't get banned and in fact get promoted. So I don't want to agree with that part of it. But but you're right. I don't think um, Tate had any sort of pathway to the type of stable, loving relationships that I, that I think men should be looking for. Um, I think Kevin Samuels did get a little closer to that because he, he would he would talk about marriage. Oftentimes, you know, when he's talking to women, he said, OK, well, well, none of these men want to marry you. But um, th- there was a part of his content that I, I didn't. How do I say this? I, 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 I got what he was pushing for. And I will say, ultimately, I thought his goal was to see better, uh, healthier relationships between black men and black women, generally speaking. Uh, that's what I got from his content. Um, I'm not o- always sure or I wasn't always in agreement with the pathway that he took. And it, and this is the thing about going down a path, right? You're, you're not sure what you're going to encounter on the way to your destination. So there, there's some guys who may have started with Kevin Samuels and off-roaded onto Andrew Tate. Because they say, look, Kevin, yeah, he, he, he got me. You know, I'm in the gym now. I'm making a little bit more money now. I traded up in my vehicle now. And... And you know how YouTube works. You know how the algorithm works. You watch a couple of Kevin Samuels videos, up pops Andrew Tate. And now he's telling you, Kevin Samuels is talking to you from his house. It's dark and he's popping the Red Bulls. Andrew Tate is talking to you from his plane. And he's saying, look, this is how I get these girls to do da 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 da. And a lot of these girls are not used to being rejected. So in the middle of sex, I'll tell them, I don't want to do this anymore. And then she'll be calling me for the next three weeks. And then the guy's like, wow, that's that's where I want to be. So is it possible that Kevin Samuels could have put somebody on the path to watching Fearless? Yes, it is. But is it just as possible he could have put somebody on the path to watch Andrew Tate? Uh, absolutely. So that's why I, I feel we, we, we need something better, Jason. And, and one of the things I appreciate, uh, appreciate about you and this platform and the men that are on here we come from different walks of life. We got some athletes and some academics, some preachers, some, you know, professional, you know, we got all sorts of stuff here. But I think ultimately what, what men need to hear is a is a better message. It can't just be, don't be like these people. Obviously, don't be like the clipped male feminists. That's obvious. But it can't also be, don't be like Andrew Tate. Right. It has to be a positive message. And, and, and I appreciate the fact that you allow space for that so that, you know, I'm hoping as, as we continue to move forward and, and we're able to reach different venues. Like I would love to talk to a room full of young black men. I'm not talking about teenagers, but let's say in their 20s. And I'll say, look, listen to me, King. You have a woman to find, to marry, to love for a lifetime. Y'all have babies to have and to raise, you understand, and to disciple. You have a mission to accomplish, to accomplish. You have a land to purchase, challenges to conquer, and generations to raise up. That's that's what you have in front of you as a, as a young man. Don't listen to these people, either on the left or the right, because they're gonna take you, they're gonna take you off course. On the left, all they want is your vote. Their only message to you is, 
don't forget to vote and uh, come and join this uh, rally. And on on the, the far ends of the internet on the other direction, it's just rack up your numbers, you know, we don't let them hoes, so on and so on and so forth. Neither of those things is gonna get you where you wanna be. So listen to what I'm telling you, my son, right? P- pursue God, honor your creator, love your wife, raise your children, rejoice in your generations. That's, that's the message I, I would give to young men coming up today. I, I love your point, because I didn't think of it. I, I was sitting here going, hey, well, Kevin Samuels might knock a few people upside the head, and the next thing you know, they're watching Fearless, or, and they're getting a, but, but you're right, he could knock a few people upside the head, and maybe is more likely they are watching Andrew Tate and going, you know, let's get the, the more profitable version of, mm-hmm. of Kevin Samuels rather than let's get the more biblically sound or morally uh, conscious version of, of Kevin Samuels. You, you're, it, it's almost like some of the rap music that I still remember fondly mm-hmm. was profane, was promiscuous, mm-hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't NWA bad, and and I'm right, sitting right. there. I but but I, I need to remember like, nah, you had to listen to this first before you were ready for NWA. Right. And so uh, either the <laughs> yeah either, yeah you're being groomed, and 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 boy, I'm about to throw you a real curveball. I'm throwing myself okay. one. Uh, it, it's it's. Because I don't know if you're prepared to, to even talk, because I don't even know if I'm prepared to talk about it. But it's almost like I remember finally, and, and Chuck D and Public Enemy sit up here on my wall and big fan of their music, like what they represent. But I look at where Chuck D is at now, and I still follow him mm. over Twitter. And I'm sitting there going, this was the dude that I thought was really against the establishment and was really about real change. And, and now, at this point, he's just a mouthpiece for mm-hmm. everything the far left says. And, and so I, I, I thought he was taking people down one path and, and he ended up taking them down a path or taking himself down a path of total destruction and total selling out and just, I, I saw something the other day from Chuck where he was criticized, I, I wish I could remember it, but it, it just blew my mind. I was like, Chuck yeah. D, is this kind of soft now? Blows my mind. I, I, it, it doesn't surprise me, Jason, because this is part of human nature, right? Um, the, the people who, you know, the Colin Kaepernick types who uphold Cuba don't realize that everybody's a revolutionary until they get in power. So when they get power, when they get money, then they want status quo. That's why if I ask Colin Kaepernick, who's Fidel Castro's main political rival, he couldn't say anything because the, the, the radical, the revolutionary wants to tear down the establishment until he becomes the establishment and then he wants the establishment to reign forever. So I'm, I'm not surprised by Chuck D. People like that, um, you know, need to uh, do and say certain things in order to, to get a pass for the other things that they may say that, in this instance, the left doesn't like. That's why, Jason, if, if you notice, right, 
so, uh, I follow a couple, you know, you know, Breakfast Club and, and similar shows that'll pop up. One thing, I, one of them is um, uh, called My Expert Opinion. It's a, a battle rapper named Math Hoffa. And he's, he's had on all sorts of guys. He's had on Fat Joe and Method Man. And they're talking about industry stuff and, you know, battles and shootouts and so on and so forth. And I noticed the other day, I'm watching the show. He's got he's got the the the, the LGBT flag flying behind him. Same thing with the Breakfast Club, right? So all of these big tough guys, and even sometimes you, you you'll hear this, Jason. These guys are talk now. These are men who've made careers out of talking about how many black men they've shot and killed, and how many B's and H's, you know, they've they've had run through their bedroom. And as soon as they talk on anything having to do with sexuality and gender. It's a thousand caveats. Well, you, well, you know, I, I've got nothing against the LGBT community. You know, you know. I, so these men are compromised. They, they, they sell uh, bravado and machismo, but they have to hang that flag. So, and and the Breakfast Club doesn't have any crosses hanging up, to my knowledge. So it's clear, um, you know, what regime there it is that they're serving under, and that's why. You'll have people come up. I remember I've talked about how they had a re-education camp for Malik Yoba in real time, where Malik Yoba referred to women as natural-born women, and the guy who was there with him with two transgender women was like, uh-uh-uh, ain't nothing about that natural, and he made him repeat the script. And all too often what we have, whether it's Chuck D, or I'm talking about the Breakfast Club, sports personalities, you know, other people who have been, are somewhat transgressive, but but you know, can't be too transgressive. They are all professional script readers. That's all they do. So whatever is the, the latest thing, they glom onto it, and that gives them a little bit of cultural capital for them to, again, go back and, and, and peddle their wares. And that's why a couple months ago when the baby got jammed up and he made some joke that people talk, took was a, a crack at LGBT people, the same guy who had a shootout in Walmart that killed a man, he came back three days later. He said, I'm sorry to the LGBT community. It happens all the time. And that's why people who think that this is a Christian nationalist nation do not have their eyes open. If you walk through D.C., Miami, New York City, any major city, you're going to see more pride flags hanging in the windows than, than, than Christian crosses. And even and, and that that lobby is so powerful that it'll take the, the, the hardest core gangbanger and put him on his knees. No pun intended. It, it's, I'm gonna give you the final say, then we're gonna get out of here. You know, the, okay. the overall theme today, what I've been trying to convey is that as this nation becomes more and more secular, as secular nationalism becomes more and more in vogue, uh, that's going to naturally lead to the emasculation of men. And it's going, that emasculation of men is going to benefit these poser masculine men who are phonies and selling fugazis and moonshine and bathtub <laughs> masculinity. And, and, and it's all a byproduct where, where I blame us as Christians and as believers. Mm. We've presented such a feminized version of the gospel that we don't even, that people don't even think of the gospel and, and Jesus as the epitome of masculinity. 
And that's a shame because if yeah. not for the masculinity of Jesus, all of us would be in chains and uh, oppressed and just, it's, we've done this, we've allowed this, we've allowed our faith to be feminized and, and turned egalitarian and we've surrendered men, men of faith, we've surrendered our position of leadership and, and maybe we deserve exactly what we're getting, uh, cowards are being made millionaires and the leaders of our nation uh, and it's on us. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will say this. I, I would characterize it as secular globalism because these are also people that hate, hate their own country, right? Any, anything that God created, male, female, marriage, borders, people, ethnicities, they want to destroy and, and deconstruct. So I, I agree with you, Jason. The, the, the funny thing about the, the creative order is that there will always be masculinity. There will always be male leadership. The question is whether you want to be um, led by men who know they're men or whether you want to be led by men who think that they're women. So you, you, you have to choose. And, and what we've seen over the years um, is a, a devolution of masculinity. Um, you know, we all could have lived quite prosper, prosperously on, on the pride land, but the, the, the feminists and their allies killed Mufasa and now they have Scar. And the question is whether a generation of young Simbas are ready to rise up, because if not, it's, we're gonna be ruled by hyenas. Um, and, that's, and that's really what the American future looks like. If we are not willing to make some sacrifices and make some changes and to speak hard truths, sometimes to the, to the very people that we love, because where we're headed right now is not, is not a good place. Thank you, D. Great job. Thank you, Jason. Uh, that's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Freedom. I just want.